Coming up, today's guest is the co-founder of First Influence, a performance-based influencer marketing agency. You'll discover her unique approach to influencer marketing, the most important metric to pay attention to when hiring influencers, and the three things you absolutely need before running an influencer marketing campaign. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. With over 120 million happy users, Theorem Reach is helping app developers make more money with fun, rewarded surveys that you can easily add to your app. Go check out theoremreach.com to learn more. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go, the YouTube channel, the podcast, the blog, the website, everything that we have going on for you guys. When you want action-packed content to help you grow your app downloads, not just your app downloads, but also increase your app revenues. And today, we're going to talk all about influencer marketing. She was just on a YouTube live stream with me, and now she's back to really dig deep into how she started this company and talk about all the different ways that you can use influencer marketing because influencer marketing is a broad term, kind of like app marketing, but there's just so many different layers underneath it. And we're going to get into all that with her today. So without further ado, her, her name is Christy Choi. She is the co-founder at First Influence. You can learn more by going to firstinfluence.co. Her clients include many, and I mean many, household names and fast emerging brands like Samsung, Drop, Yubo, and many more. So go check it out. Once again, it is firstinfluence.co. Christy, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Well, I welcome love back your to intro. the show. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Christy, what I want to talk to you about first is like what made you start this company? Like what was what's your background? Uh I started so I I to be honest, I really never sort of like woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to start a company. Yeah. I, I had no idea that I was going to be an entrepreneur or a founder of a company. It all just kind of happened organically, which I think was a blessing um, for sure. So it all started with me being a creative person. I moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting. So I was acting for five or six years. I've been acting for five or six years um, in Los Angeles. And uh, about around 2016, I was approached by a brand to become sort of their in-house content creator. And this was a music trivia game. And so my job was to basically create these weekly Snapchat stories and engage with their existing user base. Um, so that was really fun. And that naturally led to me helping them with influencer marketing because I was very much active on like sort of the vertical video format. And so I was able to use a lot of what I was learning to shape the influencer campaigns and the messaging and the timing. And so that then led to me doing more influencer campaign management. Um, and the goal there was really just driving um, installs and revenue. So this was even back in 2016, this approach was kind of, 
I guess, novel in the influencer marketing space because a lot of brands were approaching influencer marketing like a brand awareness campaign where you hire someone, okay, we got a million views, amazing, like done, that was a success. Um, but the brand that I was working with was taking a very different approach and a very measured approach. And so I learned a ton there and then that naturally led to more clients. And now here we are in 2020, we have First Influence Co. Um, and yeah, that's the story. Awesome. That's, that's a short story. Okay, I want to break that down a little bit. How did you get approached by them? Like, what were you doing? Were you already like doing stuff on the social media channels that they're like, hey, we have to work with this person? <laughs> no, actually, my boyfriend, um, I don't know how he got connected with the CEO, but he knew the CEO of the company. And um, I think he was already looking for someone to test sort of like a brand content, branded content strategy. And because of my background helping my boyfriend, who was a Snapchat influencer at the time, um, craft his campaigns and help with that. And also being an actress, it just was like a really great way for me to get involved. And so um, that's how it happened. I love that. And I love how you're, you know, I think this is so interesting in life. The, this is where, how I feel about it is we just start blending different things that we're so passionate about you with acting and yeah. And sort of like molding it into and having our own approach into influencer marketing. So when you were starting to run influencer marketing campaigns, how did, you know, your, maybe your past experience and your experience with acting, how did that all blend into your approach with influencer marketing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest benefit for me personally was that because I was an, I was an actress um, and I was acting and dealing with a bunch of scripts and reading it out loud and, performing it in front of the camera, um, I was able to take any kind of influencer marketing message, like those messaging pillars that we were trying to deliver in our campaigns and pretend like I'm the influencer and actually do the campaign out loud to see how it reads, how it comes off, what, what sort of um, talking points are really necessary and what's just too onerous and it gets a little too scripty. Uh -huh. That was really um, beneficial for me. To, to use that in crafting influencer campaigns. And that's still a practice that we use today. Like I'll oftentimes pretend to be an influencer and film myself doing the full YouTube integration in front of the camera and see how it comes off, um, what's really required and what's not, so that we can really give a lot of space for influencers to just do what they do and minimize like the required talking points. I like that. Is there a process that you have, Christy, for doing that? Because I know so many brands and I've done a YouTube integration video as well. And it's just like, no, this is not interesting. Like, how do you tell that? Or how do you relay it? And how do you like digest what they want to say to something that, you know, the audience is going to resonate with? Yeah. So um, it's obviously changed a lot over the last few years. I think before a lot of brands were still getting pretty prescriptive about talking points, like you must do this, you must do that. And that's still relevant today but um i think now we are as us as an agency and some of the brands out there that are doing amazing influencer campaigns they're really giving a lot of freedom for influencers to just run with whatever they think is going to sell the product to their own audience so obviously we're still going to include some basic value propositions that should be shared because they're really interesting and those value propositions are going to be already rooted in what the brand's existing consumer base really resonates with. So we, we keep those key talking points in place, but we leave a lot of room for influencers to do their own demos. If they don't want to do the demo, that is okay. Also, if you want to instead talk about how you used it and do and talk about that, um, 
those are all relevant. If they just want to share screenshots as video overlays, that's fine too. It's really, um, I think the secret is, it's not even a secret, but I, I think it's really important to give a lot of room for influencers to, do, to be like brand advocates and supporters and not an actor. I know one thing we talked about on our YouTube live was the working with smaller creators and micro influencers. And I think it's worth repeating in case that, you know, most people don't watch both or listen to both podcast episodes, mm -hmm. but you said how you're working with a lot of micro influencers to generate mm -hmm. a lot of content for brands and brands then using that content to repurpose for some of their pay channels. Can you talk a little bit more about that strategy? Yeah. So that's a strategy that I think is, uh, we're seeing a lot of success with that strategy and, um, this is for brands that just ha already have a robust sort of paid ad program or, or just on a regular basis, they're running a ton of paid ads. And I think with the way Facebook algorithm works nowadays um, in, the, in the advertising space, they're giving a lot of weight to really creative content pieces. So before, I think it used to be that the, the way you target your ads um, maybe carried more weight in terms of deciding whether it's going to be a successful campaign or not. Nowadays, I think just having a ton of a variety of ad creatives is really important and just letting Facebook run with those and find the right uh, consumer for you. And so what we've done is we've partnered with brands that are, that are looking to activate a ton more paid ad campaigns and we will contact smaller influencers and instead of having the influencers talk about the product and share it with their own followers so we're not really leveraging their own following we're just leveraging their talents and their creative skills to create a bunch of these mini content pieces to test so what that resulted in is basically i think our latest campaign in may i think over like 96 percent of those um, content pieces that we generated with micro influencers ended up performing above average in their ad campaigns. So it, it's definitely a really cost effective way to work with influencers without um, needing to pay for their audience, like leveraging their audience as well. Because a lot of times you're really paying for the influencer to share, you know, oh, I've got like 300,000 followers. So if you want me to like talk about this and share it with my followers, you have to pay like, thousands of dollars right mm -hmm. but in this with this approach you can get really picky about finding the creative ones and not necessarily the largest influencers so i want to break this strategy down a little bit more how are you able to find these influencers and what are micro influencers too so micro influencers are it's it's such a it, it, i feel like it, it encompasses such a wide range um, of sizes i think it also depends on the platform um all so essentially micro influencers like for me um on instagram i would consider anyone with less than 50k following a micro influencer um on youtube probably the same like less than 50k even less than 100k subscriber count would be considered micro influencer um on tiktok i think people with less than like 400k um oh. <laughs> following would be considered micro just because tiktok is is i don't you. know the platform it's very I, I don't know if the numbers are inflated or not but like there's just so many people so many right. creators with like 100k followers it's like it's everywhere 
Um, so we kind of have different standards for each platform. And then to answer the first part of the question, which is how do we find these micro-influencers, um, TikTok has actually been a really, really great tool for us to find these micro-influencers because it's literally making anyone with, ir irrespective of their following, it's making anyone go viral. And so automatically on the For You page, I'm just seeing a ton of relevant content pieces. I'm seeing a ton of small time creators that are just funny and creative. Um, and then I can just go visit their profile and go from there to see if they have a, an agency rep or um, direct way for us to contact them. So. Yeah. Wow. So you're just literally looking at this trending, like whatever's being featured right now. You're like, this is interesting. Yeah. Let me. You're literally just just spending a ton of time on the trending page, the for you page, wow. um, whatever platform is. You're just digesting a ton of content, and then once you find like that one influencer that's like, wow, this is totally a fit. Um, it's pretty easy to then find other influencers that are similar to that that creator. Got it. Is there are there any tricks to find similar? I mean, I know Instagram, there's like similar ones that drop down once you follow somebody. Yeah. What is there a TikTok trick? Well, TikTok has that too. You can do a drop down. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. TikTok also has the drop down that suggests a lot of similar creators uh, to you. And other than that, honestly, if you go through those influencers' content pieces and you actively like them or you like share it or engage with it or you save it to your favorites, the TikToks, the TikTok algorithm like knows that that's what you're looking for and they uh, show you more of those things. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Uh huh. Or like if it's just a demographic that I'm after, like, oh, I'm looking for um, like female in this age range, you know, um, that has an interest in this. Like, let's say, I don't know, let's, let's say my ideal influencer is someone that does like Amazon reviews a lot because my product sells on Amazon. Mm. Um, there's like tons of trends, like content trends on TikTok that center around Amazon hauls, like Amazon favorites, like weird things on Amazon that you didn't know you needed. Like those things are very much a trend. And so I'll just go through all of those content trends and find all the influencers that are participating in that trend. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Get to a weird, crazy rabbit hole of all this stuff. That's yeah. Crazy. So what have you seen from a, maybe, I guess, you're not so they don't have to post on their channels talking about the product okay yeah they don't, what, they don't what are you doing i mean i guess what kind of content have you guys seen perform best from a paid channel perspective then a paid like a paid ad perspective yeah because you're, um, you're saying like yeah. you're using these micro influencers they're creating the content and then you're they're outperforming any other like creative on Facebook and anything else. So yeah. what kind of content have you seen perform best from these micro influencers? Yeah, I think it's totally dependent on the brand, but for this particular client, what was working really well for them because it's a social networking app, um, really funny, funny, engaging ones, as opposed to like, this, here's the app, this is what it does and explaining it, like go download it. Like none of that was um, what we were after, what we were going after. It was all about making it funny, um, literally taking an existing TikTok trend, like there was this one dance and this one song that went super viral. And luckily that song was copyright free so we could use it in the ad. And we literally had the influencers just do the same dance that was already super um, socially relevant and recognizable mm -hmm. and incorporate like sort of what the, what the app does into that dance. And that one was a really good one that performed well. And so it was a lot of kind of reverse social engineering, seeing what already had social proof, seeing w which trends were already viral, which type of content um, 
was already doing really well on the platform and then tweaking it a little bit to incorporate the brand. The other thing I want to talk to you about, Christy, too, is the YouTube integration stuff. You said that's really mm-hmm. working well. So talk to me about like, what's the, what's the strategy there? Yeah. So the strategy there is essentially you're, you are leveraging a well-known influencer and their engagement and their credibility, their ability to sway their own audience to go and do something. Mm-hmm. You're leveraging that to, to promote your product. So that's the case where you're literally paying them a flat campaign fee. And then in the middle of their video or at the beginning of the video, they'll talk about your product or your brand. Um, that is honestly, if you, if you're looking to really scale, um, I guess your acquisition strategy with influencers, there's nothing that quite beats an influencer with a really engaged audience, giving a genuine endorsement about your product and, and the results that we see from that. It's totally scalable. Um, if that's what you're after, but it does, the downside of that is it does require a sizable budget to get it done. I see like 50 K type of thing. Yeah. Like 50 K is even, um, like for those influencers, I think you could see whether it works for you or not, even with a 10 K range, you might be able to hire maybe two sort of smaller creators on YouTube, but with like a really engaged audience just to see how, how it sells or how many installs you can drive. Um, but yeah, def it's, it's definitely not like a one and done strategy. A lot of brands, if it's working for them, they, they do this on a continual, um, basis. And there's also network effects that get, that happen as a result of continuously doing influencer campaigns. Like for one of our clients, I remember about a year into it, we started getting like, we started getting so many influencers reaching out to us like, Oh my God, you know, I saw my friend talk about this or like saw this on this show, or I heard some podcast host mention about this brand and we want to work with you. Um, so it creates that effect too. That's so cool. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, I mean, this is what happened with, with the podcast too. It's like you create content and there's, there's people that I was admiring when I first started the podcast in the app space. And I was like, man, that would be really cool to get this guy on the podcast. And then mm-hmm. sooner or later you keep create, seven years later, Christy, seven years later, they reach out <laughs> to you and they're like, Hey, you want to do something together? I'm like, Whoa. Oh. But that is so cool. Later. You manifested that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it does take a lot of time. So I guess this is a great jumping point into like the most important metric to pay attention to. So what is it that we should be looking to? Yeah, absolutely. It's engagement hands down mm-hmm. and their reputation. So um, by engagement, I mean, you know, how many, how many of their um, subscribers, for example, are regularly watching their videos. So if someone's got like a million subscribers, supposedly, but they're only averaging like 30 to 50 K views, that doesn't look that good. Um, and I would rather place my bets on someone with like a hundred K following. That's like garnering 50 K and above views. Like that's really great engagement. That's like above 50%. Um, and so that's super important. And then if you want to take it a, a step further, you can kind of, I guess like just look through the comments. This is weird, but I'm literally like stalking and kind of reading all the comments, like the people that are commenting on the content, um, whether it's a YouTube video or an Instagram photo. And I kind of look at the profile of these people to see like, oh yeah, they're totally like the profile of the consumer that we're Mm. after. Um, And so that gives me a good idea of, okay, one, they have a really engaged audience. Two, this, this audience is real. It's not just bots, like they're real people. And three, it's a fit 
for the brand. It's, it fits the consumer pro profile that we're going after. Okay. Selfish question, Christine. How do I, you like, you know, for YouTube, I've been wanting to grow the channel a little bit more, mainly hmm. just to impress my son, but what, <laughs> I wanted to do more YouTube collabs. Right. And so I know yeah. one of my friends code with Chris, he's got like 300,000 followers where he teaches people how to develop code. So like, I'm like always reaching out to him. Hey, you, you know, like I'm happy to share content. How do you find these YouTube influencers? Is there an easy way to do that? Like find them to, to do collaborations. Collabs or that's my yeah. selfish question, but also <laughs> for the audience, like, Hey Steve, what about us? The, what about like to do an integration as well? Wow. Well, I know the answer to uh, like how to do an integration. And I think okay. it's similar to like what we've talked about in the podcast, you know, in terms of like looking up trends, finding influencers that are already kind of creating content around the topic that you think your brand would fit well into um but if it's like approaching from a collaboration perspective huh that's something i've thought about that before but i don't know if there's like a clear strategy to do it a lot of my creator friends are they seem to just already be friends with other creators or um they just naturally end up end up connecting because the types of the different types of content that they're making is really similar to each other and so they're like oh my god i love your content it's totally like that I appreciate yeah. your content. Oh my God, me too. And like, let's do a collab, you know, mm. like that type of thing. Um, other than that, I think what you're doing is a really great, it's a really great way to connect with a ton of different creators where you're bringing them on um, so that they can share their story and do these podcast interviews or live streams. I think that's a really good way to collab. Um, let's see, what else is there? I don't, I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts? What well, are some of your thoughts on what, like, was there anything that you were looking to test to see if like, maybe that would work? Not really. Cause I guess, I guess jealous too. You, we, before we hit record, we talked about this stuff about the mental things and what we say to ourselves, but I'm like, yeah. you know, there's some channels and I'm like, you know, and this leads me to my next question too. Like he's got more subscribers than me, but we do very similar in terms of views right. and I've got like maybe half of the following that he does. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. how do I get there? Like, I want to get there too. And, right. and so part of it's also like comparing myself to others being like, I want to yeah. hit like 20 K and then eventually I'll probably want to hit 50 K and then eventually I'll probably want to hit it on You know, like it keeps going so forth. So that's what got me thinking about, but yeah, you're right. Like sometimes people do end up following your stuff, just create good content. They'll follow you. They come back and I didn't even know like code with Chris. Like I didn't know about his channel until he like joined one of my communities. And I was like, and then he's like, mm. hey, I'm code with Chris. And people are like, hey, I've been following your stuff for a long time. And I looked him up. I was like, holy crap. He's got a huge following already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally know what you mean. It's that weird. Uh, it's, it's so weird to think about like comparing numbers to another person because it's also public, right? And yeah. just the fact that you're even <laughs> having to think about that before thinking about reaching out to that person. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I totally empathize with you. Like to me, it just feels so it makes it less genuine, even though you're totally coming from a genuine place, but it's like, you can't help but keep those things in your mind. Right. Because yeah. oftentimes a lot of big creators do have that kind of attitude. Like, Oh, you're not, you're too small for me. Like I'm not really going to do anything with you because you're not worth my time. Cause they're then going after like whoever's above them, yeah, you know? Right. And, um, but on the contrary, I've also seen a lot of my creator friends like really support and appreciate um, other creators that might be a lot smaller than them just because they admire their work. And so I think all of this, like 
if collaborations happen because you guys are creating similar types of content and you're connecting with other YouTubers and it, it just happens, like that's great. Um, if you end up having to, if you end up meeting someone who's a larger content creator and you guys end up really hitting it off and end up doing something, that's also great. But I think the number one priority always is that for any creator running a YouTube channel is to really just invest in number one, your audience and your community that you have. Um, Cause I think that speaks so much volume and um having like your audience be so engaged with you and just like love love interacting with you and just love the space that they come to whenever you, they watch your content i think that is like the number one growing factor and, and and it also i think ends up like impressing a lot of larger creators and they're like oh wow i want to support you like because i think you're gonna be you're gonna be growing really fast mm -hmm. soon like i see what you're doing and what you're doing is like really genuine it's authentic um, and they pay attention to that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yes, I like <laughs> it. The, the thing that I want to get back to is when you said mm -hmm. engagement, is there like a bin, minimum that you look for? Like, Hey, they should have 20%, percent, 30%. Yeah. Well, yes. Like to some degree, yes. We look for at least, ideally we look for like 20% and above. That's pretty high. Um, especially on Instagram, that's like really high. Mm. Um, and it also depends on what you're measuring. Like if you're measuring the number of comments or likes to the follower count, then that's a little different than like measuring the number of people that view your IG stories compared to your IG following. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, we try to get above 10%. Um, but that, I, I think that's kind of a high standard though. Um, but we, we rarely book influencers with like below 5% engagement. I see. Cool. And that limits our pool a lot, but we we're just really after like those quality influencers that, that are going to be worth the brand's investment. Are they just fake followers? When I see that stuff too, I'm like, you just have to, like some people will comment on my, on the YouTube and then they'll, I'll be like, you got like 20,000 followers or 200,000 followers, but you have one video and you probably just started. They're just fake followers. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Sometimes they're, they're straight up. Um, it's just bots. It's, fake followers and other times it's just that the influencers um i guess like i don't know it's kind of weird to say but um i was talking about this with another agency and we we're talking about how like there's a life cycle to an influencer unless you're like really innovating there's like a clear life cycle of like when they've just been at their peak and then like now they're kind of on the downtrend like of course there's they can revive their audience again but some influencers are just in that I guess, downtrend space, whether they've just done too many endorsements that just like washed out their feed, whether they just haven't innovated um, in their content style, whatever it is, there's, there's that case too. So it's not always just fake followers. It's just that the influencer is kind of out of touch with like his or her audience. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I never even thought mm -hmm. about that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if, you know, a lot of my audience are probably, some are working for bigger companies, but some might be doing their own companies. But what's a low cost way to test whether influencer marketing could work for us? Yeah, so there's um, two things you can do. One, you can do gifting. So um, that's a really low cost way to get, get some products in the hands of an influencer. You can try sending it out to like both small influencers and large influencers. If they love it, they'll hopefully do a mention about your product. The downside of that is obviously um, mentions not guaranteed and it's also really hard to scale unless you're just, you just have so much free stuff to just give out to and like ship out all the time. Um, 
Another way you can do um, small testing is to actually do influencer integration. So go on YouTube, look for um, YouTubers with less than like 100K subscribers. Um, maybe they're averaging around 10,000 to 20,000 views and see if you could pay them a couple hundred bucks or a thousand dollars to do a one to two minute mention in their, in their video mm -hmm. where they talk about your app or your product, do a demo of it um, and share a code if that's relevant, like a discount code or an invite code if that's relevant. Um, but I do want to say before this is like something I feel passionate about, but before brands consider doing influencer marketing at all, I feel like they have to check three things. One is um, they can't, they need to check to see if there's any leaky, leaky holes in their bucket. So essentially like influencer marketing can get like really expensive, right? Um, especially if you're hiring them for integrated mentions. So if your app's buggy, if it's, if it's got a confusing user experience, um, these things are going to lead for, uh, they're going to basically make for a poor first experience from the user side and an influencer endorsing your app is not going to change that. And also if your app just does not have a clear product market fit an influencer's endorsement will not change that. And then secondly, um, if you have no way to track exactly how this influencer campaign is going to, um, if there's no way to track the results from the influencer campaign, then that's also a dud. So like make sure you have things on the back end or whatever it is in place where you can track exactly which installs came from this influencer's mention or code um, so that you can really measure the efficacy of the campaign. And lastly, if you can do both of these things, I would really consider like whether my brand looks good and that sounds really vapid and stuff, mm -hmm. but this is really important. Like your brand has to look good and it has to come off trustworthy for influencers to want to promote it. And also when they do promote it, like their audience will actually follow through on the call to action. So having a great looking Instagram feed is important if you're like in the consumer product space, specifically beauty and skincare and stuff like that. Um, if you're in the app space, having a great app store landing page that looks professionally designed, it looks like kind of with the times, you know, um, because I see like a lot of those bleed over app store previews. What do you, what do you call those? Like app store preview screenshots? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That kind of like pieced together as one whole picture. Yeah. yeah. All of those things are really, really important. And um, you'll find that like, it'll be really hard to get a quality influencer to say yes to working with you if, if these things are not in place. I like that. I'm so passionate about that too. Chrissy, maybe because we, we help people with marketing and I don't know if you feel this way. Sometimes they always blame me or they want to get so fast forward. Like I work with a client and I'm like, you know, let's go with marketing. Let's grow. I'm like, wait, do you have a leaky bucket? Because I can drive growth. That's not a problem for me, but that growth might never ever see any type of ROI or these might not ever become real users because of this, but they want to move so fast and just get the downloads mm -hmm. that they don't think about like, Hey, are these downloads going to stick around and exactly exactly yeah. yeah and um so many of this, these things don't get considered before somebody tests influencer marketing and i often hear brands go like oh yeah we tried it that one time and it just wasn't working at yeah. all like when you look deeper it's like well did you even work with someone who's like knowledgeable in influencer marketing oh was it sounds like your app wasn't even working back then or like mm -hmm. oh wow you didn't have any kind of like public um, you didn't have a good landing page. You didn't have anything for people to look up and see, oh, this is a legit brand that I can trust. So all these things I think really need to be considered before testing influencer marketing.
they always blame the marketing. Oh, that did that marketing didn't work. Yeah, it's never the product. <laughs> I'm like, it's, yeah, sometimes uh, it is the product. Like, I hate to, it's I hate to say it to you. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. Like, I, I strongly believe in that. It's um, influencer marketing literally is like, like you already have a working car that looks great. The engine's running. It you, it can speed up really fast. Like everything is working already. And now influencer marketing is going to what make. I guess like put your foot to the gas. Yeah. 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 Totally. The pedal to the metal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at these like analogies or whatever they're called. Me too. <laughs> I always try to do an analogy like metaphor and then I like completely fail. <laughs> I used to say like nip it in the butt uh-huh. the whole time. And in then I. Bud, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I why didn't anybody correct too. me? Yeah. I just learned that too. <laughs> Christy, anything I missed before we hit the big finish? No, that I feel like I talked a lot. No, well, that's yeah. you're the guest. That's what, you're, that's what I wanted to get out of you. No, this was so great. Like, I, I loved this conversation. I'm glad we got to do both the YouTube live, answer the audience question. Actually, one last question I did want to ask before we hit the big finish was, you know, you mentioned a lot of great services on the YouTube live, Heartbeat, Impact, yeah. Grapevine Logic. And the question was like, hey, I'm an indie app developer. How do I outsource influencer marketing? So is there a favorite one that you would point us to? Well, the favorite one for outsourcing influencer marketing would be us, yes. <laughs> First Influence. But if you're looking for a software um, for you to manage it yourself, because a lot of the times these these platforms they provide the software, and if they if they, if you want the platform to actually manage the campaigns, then they'll have to assign like an account manager, and then there's like it gets expensive pretty quickly. I see. Um, but yeah, uh, all those ones that I mentioned last week are my favorites. So it's like Dovetail, Impact Radius, uh, Grapevine, um, Heartbeat. I haven't checked out Heartbeat in a minute, but um, I just got an email that they just launched this new exciting partnership feature. So it might be worth a look. Um, okay. But yeah, out of those, I think Impact Radius is probably the most expensive in that they require like at least a one-year um, I guess plan you have to subscribe for one year and there's good reason for it honestly because with affiliate partnerships like you really don't see results until you've done it for a while so um, don't expect to see results by like activating two affiliate partnerships with teeny tiny creators and then like oh wow I didn't you know sell out from those mentions like influencer market doesn't work for me like that's just not how it's gonna work you have to do it consistently and for a while and a lot of really, really big brands have seen a ton of success with using Impact Radius's technology to manage their affiliate partnerships. So um, yeah, it'd be like Impact Radius first and then Dovetail second and the rest kind of like, I would say, check it out for yourselves and see if it fits exactly what you're looking to do at the moment. Got it, love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, Christy, well, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. Give us one app we should definitely check out. Vlogeasy. I'm, I know I might sound biased because this is my boyfriend's app, but it literally <laughs> is so amazing. If you guys are ever looking to create videos, you have to try this app because it automatically edits your video. So once you start recording, by the time you're finished recording, the app goes through and makes all of the cuts for you. So it cuts out all the silence. So it creates that very like jump cut edited YouTube video effect. And then um, to take it a step further, it, it allows you to customize all those clips. So you can extend anything, remove anything. And then there's like music, stickers, text. There's so much you can do. So, Chris, are you ever going to come out with a Mac version? 
Because I would love to Yeah, they're, they're, so yeah, they're going to come out with like the desktop version so it communicates oh, cool. with your desktop so you can edit on the desktop. It's literally, they're trying to become the Canva of video editing. So making Ooh. video editing super accessible and easy for people that may not have ever downloaded or picked up Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere. Yeah, I love it. You know, I learned a trick, editing trick too, where you tap them, you tap the mic three times and be like, okay, that's where bad edit, take that out right before. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Chris can put that in there too. That'd be awesome. Thanks. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? Oh, this question. Oh, I loved thinking about this question. Um, I think the lesson that took me the longest to learn is that I am not a hero. I am an entrepreneur. So I think when I was thrust into this world of influencer marketing and I was quickly growing and taking on multiple clients and suddenly a business owner, I made a lot of mistakes trying to be the hero. So taking on everything, trying to do things to help other people, hiring people to help them, not because they were necessarily the most qualified. I've made all those mistakes and I realized at the end of the day, I'm not here to be a hero. I'm here to be a smart entrepreneur. And that's been the lesson that's hardest for me to learn so far. I love it. All right. Yeah. Selfish question. Last question. Again, another selfish question. So I think I told you, I've always wanted to be a game show host. I've been mm -hmm. on this, you tell me, and this, they're not sponsored in any way. So mm -hmm. like you tell me this is not a good site, but they did reach out to me once and I had a conversation with backstage.com. So they're like, oh, yeah. oh all right, yeah, let me sign up for them. So I've been like looking at hosting things. Is there anything that, and I saw a hosting thing for like an app and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm probably like the perfect person for this. But like, are, do you have any advice for me when you're applying for these things, for yeah. these gigs, and you're auditioning mm -hmm. in that regard. Um, yeah, so Backstage is actually a really well-known website. And I remember cool. like when I was starting out acting, I did get a couple of really cool like indie gigs um, through Backstage. And so I think that is definitely a useful resource to have in your corner. I also think um, nothing, nothing beats like having a really great agent. Um, so I know there are agents out there that um, specifically rep hosts and TV show hosts. And so having these agents that have the connections to really pitch you and constantly bring you auditions is really useful. Now it's always hard to find good agents. And that's kind of one of those catch 22 where it's like, Oh, you want, uh, you want me to rep you? Well, you need to have like a well-known TV credit or have to have starred in like a movie, an indie film that went on to win some rewards. Like there's always that. And so I had to play a little bit of that game to like find my agents. But I feel like for you, Steve, because you already have this really active YouTube channel and you've been doing podcasting and live streams and all of that, I really think a lot of TV show host agents in Hollywood would be like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, like we totally need to sign Steve. He gets the social media space like he totally gets like the online world and there's like a ton of materials to show for like your work can just shine through your existing videos on your channel so um i don't know if you have you tried to reach out to some agents i don't even know where to start christy yeah i don't know of any like tv show agents off the top of my head but i know every major agency has it like for okay. sure that's yeah. interesting all right yeah and honestly, like if you are looking to get, get more hosting gigs, it's a really great way to um, get in front of like exciting projects with awesome. a budget, right? So you can get paid and <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm always like the first few are like, All right, I don't care. I'll, I'll just do it just to have the credit. But right. yeah, you know what I mean? Really nice. Yeah. Um, I should also, have you ever done like hosting for, I don't know, KCON, KCON LA or KCON New York? It's no. like a big 
Are you familiar with KCON? No. <laughs> no? Oh, it's like a really big K culture convention. There's like all kinds of things from like K beauty to music to food to it's like a giant convention it's blowing up because i think k culture is like kind of taking over north america yeah. um but yeah i know they're always looking for hosts anytime they're doing these massive conventions so i should definitely keep your name in mind and pitch you oh that'd be um, awesome i did one of the wins from i think it was 2019 or 18 probably in the 19 but you know just a big partner of ours and they've sponsored the, Hey, can you host our event? And I was like, Holy shit, isn't it? And I got paid for it. And I was like, this is cool. So yeah, yeah. Um, they gave me the juices. I was like, once that happened, I was like, all right, I think I could do this. There's so many opportunities out yeah. there. Like, um, I would seriously look into maybe hitting up a couple different agencies to see if, if you could sign on to their roster. All right. Well, I will ask for your advice in that regard. But All right. yeah, for sure. the website, if you guys want to get started, look, she knows her stuff. That's all I got to say. If you guys want to learn more about it, firstinfluence.co. That is the website. They work with a lot of big brands out there. And so, like Christy said, if you've already figured out you got a great product and now you just need influencer marketing to put the pedal to the metal, go check it out. <laughs> firstinfluence.co. Christy, if the audience wants to follow up with you in any way, do you want to send them anywhere else? They can email me, Christy at firstinfluence.co. And that's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at firstinfluence.co. Cool. And I'm going to link all that into your favorite podcast app. So you can literally do that right now. Christy, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you all for watching and listening. I'll see you on mm -hmm. the next shot. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.